Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. Hello, today I wanna talk about stability. I have had so many people in my entire career, by the way, as a career and life coach, say I'm looking for a stable job. I don't like that language because stable is different for different people. So there's stability in a small company, there's stability in a large company, but there are trade-offs to that. What I would rather do is take the ownness into your own hands. And the best way to do that is to make sure that you have marketable skills that make you marketable, which gives you a stable career. That's really what I want to focus on. And I want to talk about if I were to own a business, which of course I do, but I mean like a traditional business where I needed lots of functions, I want to tell you in the order who I would hire and why. And I want you to think about this because you probably fit in one of these categories And I'm not going to talk the medical field. If you are in medical, this isn't for you. So I'm not going to talk about doctors or nurses, even knowing all of us know that those are always in demand. We need those people. We need those frontline workers. This is actually more from a business perspective. The majority of people I work with are in, you might be in the medical field, but you are doing corporate level work. So I want to talk about if I were to start any company in any industry, the six roles that I would hire first, actually, I think it's seven, it is seven, the seven roles I would hire first, and I'm going to give you the order that I would hire them in. And these are also, in my opinion, the most important. If you don't have these in this order, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So the first one is sales. Salespeople are so incredibly important. I don't care how great your product is. I don't care how many lives it's changed. If you don't have someone selling that in some capacity, and sales usually also represents marketing, but you've got to have a head of sales, right? If you don't have somebody evangelizing this for your company, you're going to sell nothing. And so I believe generating sales is the most important. And I know what you're thinking. So you're saying sales before a product? Yes, I am. I will tell you that getting the market excited about what you have to offer is so important and typically happens before production of a lot of products are available. It creates some urgency. So having the right salesperson in is really key at the very beginning. If you are in sales, That is exactly what you need to be talking about, about how you drive business, how you change businesses and grow businesses because of what you do. So what I would hire for next, and this might be shocking to some people, but I would hire somebody in customer experience. 
you've heard this as user experience. So there's UX, you see that a lot in job postings and that type of thing, but there's also customer experience. So UX is usually website design and things like that, which is amazing and incredibly important. But I want to go one step above that and say customer experience because customer experience is really the soup to nuts. What is this person encountering from the moment they come into your business, whether it's virtually or in a store, all the way to that product landing in their lap and what's there, uh, the product or the service. If you have crappy customer experience, well, it doesn't matter how great of a sales force you have, you're going to be a one and done business. And that's just not what we want to be. Customer experience is king, especially right now. It's a differentiator. If you have an amazing customer experience, what are you going to do? You're going to tell like 10 of your friends. If you have a bad customer experience, you're going to tell people, but you're going to kind of keep it to yourself because you're embarrassed that you even were a part of that company or did anything with them. Right now, it's a huge differentiator. So if you are somebody that's in customer experience or UX, how are you sharing that value? What is it that you've done to drive business for organizations, especially repeat business? That's huge. So the next one is operations. And of course, these overlap, right? You're not just going to have a sales guy that's doing one thing and a customer experience guy that's doing another and an operations person that's doing something else. And the three of those people are not talking to one another, right? Those people, of course, are talking to each other. In fact, they should be BFFs. They should be best friends constantly communicating what's working and what's not. Because if the sales guy is selling something that the operations person can't deliver, you're going to get bad customer experience, right? And so the three of those people need to be locked, stocked, two smoking barrels together on all of this. We need to make sure that those people are in full alignment with one another. And operations encompasses so many things, and it can actually, again, transfer over into that customer experience because that can be your customer service rep that's on the phone. That can be your supply chain. That can be so many facets of your business. It can also be the HR department, by the way, because it's your people too, right? That's what makes something function. So operations can really make or break an organization, As someone who is a part of operations for 15 years of my career, I can tell you that it's a thankless job. You are the invisible person that makes everything run, and people only talk to you when things go wrong. (laughs) It's a lonely place to be, but you know what? It gives you amazing thick skin, and it also gives you insane problem-solving skills under pressure. So if you are somebody in operations, how are you talking about your problem-solving abilities? How are you talking about your ways of really dealing with your resourcefulness with very little resources? That is key in this world. So making sure that you can really highlight that is crucially important. And now I want to talk about finance because it's really important to actually do these things within a budget. And in order to have a budget, you really need to make sure 
that finance is involved. And they're not just looking at right now, right? They're not looking at just this month. They're looking at next month. They're looking at this year. They're looking over the next five years. What do we need to do? How are we planning to grow the business? Do we need to go out and get financing from other organizations? Do we need funding? What do we need? How are we going to do it? I love finance people and the next group of people, accounting people, and I will tell you why. Because they are realists. So are operations people, but finance and accounting people are realists in a completely different way. They will force you to have hard conversations, right? Sales and customer experience people can be dreamers, which is so wonderful. You need that, right? But the finance people and the accounting people put the dollars and cents behind it to say, what's realistic this year? I love what you're saying, but what's realistic now? And what's possible? And oh, wait, yes, we are giving our customers all this great service and we're losing money. Yes, you can have an insanely popular business and be losing money. So actually, that makes you a nonprofit. <laughs> that actually doesn't even make you a nonprofit because nonprofits take their profits and just do something different with it. It makes you a hobby, is what that is. It makes you a hobby. So, finance and accounting people, I like to say that finance people keep it real, accounting, keep it out of jail. <laughs> I. One of the first things I hired for after I had these other things in place was an accountant because I want to make sure I'm doing everything right from a legal standpoint and a tax standpoint. So accounting people and finance people are key. So if you are in finance or accounting, what should you have on your resume? Talking about building plans for growth, talking about, and I would say for accounting people, that month-end close, how effective are you at doing that? How effective are you at training others in that process? Month-end close is a beast. And if you are amazing at that and you've created some amazing processes behind that, you need to be talking about that. Finance, have you been able to successfully grow the business in a financially, a fiscally responsible way? Ooh, please put that on your resume. That is amazing stuff. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, we've talked about five roles that are really key. What is she going to say for these last two? Because she did say there were seven. These people, in my mind, are crucially important to creating a circle, right? You don't want a group of people, you know, you get to finance and accounting and it just kind of dies, right? You want to make sure that your business is constantly growing and changing. And in order to do that, you need two critical pieces that feed the beast in an informed way. And those people are data scientists, also known as data analysts, data analytics, business analytics. You've probably heard them called a bunch of different things. I personally call them data storytellers. Right now in the marketplace, data is everywhere. You can get data on someone's hair color that buys your product, most likely. That's how much data is out there. You can find anything and everything you want with that. But here's the thing, you can find all of it, but what does it mean? What do you do with that information? And I will tell you, when you employ an amazing data scientist, they're gonna story tell back to you who your customers are, who you should be talking to, 
what purchase points they are most happy with. Where are those repeat buys coming from? Where did things fall off maybe? They're going to share with you seasonality. They're going to give you so much insight to your business that they are crucially important. Because guess what? Again, salespeople are bringing stuff in. Customer experience is working. Operations is getting things going. Finance is like, we've got the money. We're good to go. Accounting's like, and we're paying our taxes. And we've got everything going that way. And the data scientist says, hey guys, something's shifting in the market. Wow, right? That's why that's so important. They see things coming. They build these trends. And I keep saying data storyteller because a lot of people are confused by what a data scientist is. That is what they do. They report back trends. And they're the greatest people to ask questions to. Instead of saying to your data scientist, I need to know what we made last month, which, by the way, is fine. But that's really underutilizing this role. What if you gave them more open-ended questions like, what do you think the rest of the year is going to look like? And see where they go with it. A data scientist is so powerful. And they will ask you questions, right? Because they're going to start seeing trends. They're, the reason they're data scientists is because science is based on a theory. I, I don't know if you guys remember this from you know, high school chemistry or biology or anything like that. There's a theory, right? Especially chemistry. I remember this. And then you have to go prove the theory. Well, that's exactly what data scientists do. If you are a sales guy and you're saying, I'm thinking this is happening in the marketplace, go share that theory with your data scientist and they will prove out if you are correct or not. And then they'll give you even more insight to, yes, you are correct and here's what I'm seeing. No, you're incorrect and here's what I'm seeing. What beautiful insight we all need into our businesses. And by the way, I'm not talking about industry in any of these places, right? Because this isn't industry specific. One of my gripes about LinkedIn is LinkedIn only gives you an industry. So in your profile, it'll say like, what is your industry? My opinion, somebody that was in supply chain and was in retail supply chain, chemical supply chain, cell phone supply chain, all of those are different. And I did very well in all of them because I understood the dynamics of, of the core competencies of supply chain, right? So LinkedIn, if you listen to this, please add your area of expertise, which would be finance, accounting, marketing. That's way more effective than telling me industry. If you want to add industry, leave it in there. That's fine. But it just irritates me because I didn't fit in an industry. I was all over the place and I still don't fit in an industry. So finally, I'm leaving you with the final one, product manager. And if you don't know what a product manager is, products, by the way, can be a lot of different things. A product manager, in my mind, traditionally we see them in tech companies, right? Because you have software as a service. You have, you know, a Mac I'm sitting here staring at my Mac. So, you know, you have something like that. That is a product, right? You're collecting all this feedback, typically comes from sales, customer service people, operations, funneled back to the product person. But I think every team needs product. You just need to define what your product is. For instance, my product is consulting people 
and I have an online course. There's my product, right? And what a product manager does, a great product manager does, is they listen. They listen and prioritize, but they don't do this in a vacuum, right? So they're listening to outside sources. They're listening to inside sources, communicating all of that back, and then prioritizing with the business to make sure that it makes sense. Now, why are product managers so important? You need to constantly be evolving. Again, that's why data scientists are so important. You need to constantly be evolving. When I think about things that I use today that did not exist when I was born, it's a lot of different things, right? And because of that, it's because of those product managers and those data scientists that saw these trends and got the greatest minds in the company together to make sure that those things happened. So if you are in any of the roles that I talked about, sales, customer experience, operations, finance, accounting, data sciences, product manager, you have created security. And if you don't currently have a job, let me tell you right now, those are the most marketable positions that there are. Also many other things in terms of IT and all of that, but I wanted to talk about those pieces because if you have those skills, you will go far. Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. It's packed with tips and tricks to lead and love your life. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram by typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. I'll see you here next week.